So this is Jerry Mintz, and we're very happy today to have Dr. Dave Lehman, who was the founder of what is now called, now called the Lehman Alternative Community School in Ithaca, New York. And he is a pioneering educator who started one of the first public alternative schools and a, one of the first public democratic alternative schools. Uh, Dave, welcome. So, uh, Dave, uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about how it was that you happened to get into this type of education. What was it in, that influenced you early on this? Well, there, there are a number of kind of things. Uh, certainly could not uh, fail to mention the fact that uh, having my own children growing up and becoming of school age and uh, wanting to do something that would work well for them and their own education uh, was certainly uh, something in the background as they as they moved from being elementary school age youngsters where they had been uh, in a uh, an alternative uh, public school in uh, where we were at the time. You, you're talking about Greenbrier? Uh, actually, there was Greenbrier initially, which was a, a non-public alternative. And then uh, subsequently there were schools in uh, Columbus, uh, Ohio, where uh, they had been involved with a, an elementary school there. And then uh, subsequently when we moved to Ithaca, there was a public uh, alternative elementary school there. So our children had that chance. But then they were becoming uh, middle school age. And so I was concerned about locating in some place where uh, and being involved where that might be an opportunity to go on into uh, a secondary um, uh, alternative school. And it turned out that uh, there had been one in Ithaca, but it had been sort of on again, off again, closed, open, and gone through some controversy over a couple of three-year period. And they were starting what they called then a new junior high program. That was the name of it. And we're uh, looking for a principal slash teacher to help get that started. And I applied in, um, in that position and, and uh, got that started. And we started with just 65 6th, um, 7th, and 8th graders and uh, you know, have grown over the years. There are 300-some in the, in the school at present. Now, what, when was this that you started? About what year? That would have been in the uh, early 70s. Okay. Now, before that, you were involved in this, uh, in the Greenbrier, establishment of Greenbrier in Texas, which actually is one of my favorite alternative schools. How did you get involved with that? Well, we were, uh, at that time, I was finishing out my uh, doctoral work, uh, PhD at the University of Texas, uh, and uh, <clears throat> there was a group of uh, young radicals who were interested in trying to do something different uh, that would be um, a school for uh, young people in the area. And uh, we started meeting uh, half a dozen of us and formed this little collective and said, well, why don't we start a school? There's this property that we could purchase uh, uh, outside of um, outside of Austin um, 
and we we did that as a as a group. Uh, we incorporated ourselves as an educational organization and and started uh, this school. And we had about fifty some kids, I think, to start with. Uh, pretty much uh, elementary through uh, even a few high schoolers. And we used to uh, we had an old school bus. Uh, we used to drive out from uh, uh, from Austin out to. Uh, the land where we basically were were building uh, some buildings, and some people were, including myself and our uh, family, were living there on the uh, on the property and building uh, different uh, structures. And people were uh, starting to send their their kids to us. Some were parents of youngsters uh, associated with the University of Texas. Uh, others were uh, just community people who uh, wanted an alternative uh, and were interested in what we were doing. So we, uh, we got it started and we were there for about three years. Now, what was, what was the philosophy behind that school? Well, the idea was that, um, or central to the idea was certainly democratic uh, decision-making that, making that uh, most all of the decisions that would be made would be done collectively with uh, not only those of us who were the adults, but also uh, also the students. And there would be uh, regular uh, meetings in the beginning. We, we would uh, start each day with a sort of an all-school meeting and talk about things that might be going on and what people might be interested in and some of which uh, had through student interest had sort of become some ongoing groups there was a a initial reading group for younger kids who wanted to learn how to read and so that group had a uh, decided on a particular time and a place where they would uh, work on that virtue each day and then uh, other things were you know, decided, and some that would last for, you know, a few weeks or, or longer, others that would be, uh, you know, virtually for uh, a day or two. And now, now that, that school started entirely with kids that were day school kids coming from Austin, right? Basically, Austin, some, uh, a few coming from the Bastrop and Elgin area, which were very small uh, rural areas, uh, uh, near near where the land was. Right, and so this school then did something that I don't know if I've ever heard of happening with another school, where the school actually evolved into a community, right? Yeah, um, there and where some of us actually lived uh, there on the on the property, and, and it became a collective. Um, we preferred the term collective to commune because collective implied something a little more um, where there would still an opportunity for people to have their own individual family, their own separate uh, living quarters. But we would, you know, have the evening meals would be together. Um, you know, we would certainly do things uh, collectively. Right, and so all these years later, it still exists, and so whatever you established had legs. So now, what was it that? Well, let me just add. Let me just add there, as, as far as it's still existing, the the difference is the the growth of the intentional community there, 
is 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 much larger. There have been more structures built and so forth. And the uh, and I don't believe in the last few years. I don't believe they are um, transporting students from Austin. That it's basically all of the um, children of the families that are actually living there. Right. No, that 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 change happened quite a while ago. That's true. So yeah. they don't they don't transport anybody there. And so it became exactly. a, totally a, a community. Now, when, exactly. you, when you left there, did you make a conscious decision at some point that you wanted to do try to do something with the public schools? Oh, absolutely. That was the, the main reason for 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 leaving was that um, I felt having done this for about three years that there ought to be <clears throat> the opportunity for uh, youngsters in a public uh, school setting to be able to do many of the kinds of things which we had been learning as adults and had, that I have certainly been learning and so it was intentionally you know that that uh, I would like to take this experience to uh, to see if I couldn't do something uh, similar uh, within a public uh, arena. So, so you were consciously looking for a place where you could do this in a public school. Did you specifically target Ithaca, or did you, or did you just notice the opening there? Well, when when we were uh, working with the, um, the, there was an interim period where I. Uh, became part of the staff of the New Schools Exchange, which you may remember the New Schools Exchange newsletter. We put out a publication, which was a, a newsletter uh, trying to communicate with all the different uh, free and alternative schools happening across the country. Yes, I definitely remember. And it was a very, very important key networking device for all of the early educational alternatives around the country. Right, right. So I had been working there then for sort of an interim period after leaving uh, uh, Greenbrier took on that position and that was uh, where one of the things we did in the newsletter uh, was to have a people seeking places and places seeking people a little kind of a ad section in the in the publication and there was an so to speak, advertisement or a, a letter about Ithaca, New York, starting this new uh, junior high alternative school, and uh, people interested should contact. And there was a, a number and a way to contact folks. So um, it seemed like that would be uh, an interesting opportunity. And actually, you know, we were doing a tour of of some of the uh, alternative and free schools in the uh, in the Northeast, and um, I made a point to to visit Ithaca and to get a feel for whether this really would be a place that might work for uh, myself and the family, and uh, and subsequently applied and, and got that position. And, and Ithaca is, an, is a kind of an interesting community because it's where Cornell University is, so it tends to be a somewhat uh, radical, liberal town. Uh, and academically, certainly, there's also Ithaca College, which is uh, uh, right there also. Right. And so you started that uh, program, and then 
what were your uh, initial um, uh, challenges in starting that? Well, we were given uh, by the school district, we were given a three-year trial period and uh, which we were to be able to demonstrate success. And uh, if, if so, then there would be the opportunity to uh, continue the program and perhaps to expand to include a high school. <clears throat> so we made a point of, uh, you know, trying to, to keep some kinds of, of records. And there were people at uh, Cornell who were uh, into doing uh, evaluation kinds of studies of different educational endeavors and using um, means of assessing the success of those kinds of educational uh, endeavors with other than standardized test scores. It wasn't just to be based on some kind of uh, SAT or some other standard test score of some sort. So uh, we had that kind of data. Um, and at the end of the three-year trial period, there were three different outside consultant groups or individuals who uh, the school district uh, contracted with to do the, the, the evaluation of this three-year trial period. And we uh, quite successfully met that, uh, you know, the criteria of being successful. And uh, there was this uh, school board meeting at which the decision would be made to continue uh, or not um, the school and to do it either in a uh, small portion of one of the uh, two large middle schools or in a wing of the, uh, the main high school. And at that school board meeting, which was held in one of the middle schools, there was a uh, enormous overflowing crowd uh, there and uh, long story short the school board voted eight to one to uh, continue us and to do so uh, at least initially in this wing of the main high school well, which we outgrew within about three years as we expanded to include a, a high school component. Okay well uh, how did you find your interaction was with the teachers? Did they get what it was you were trying to do in those early years? Well, we it was a lot of, of uh, learning together, uh, not only we adults, but with, with the young people as well. We all had a sense of what we were to do. There were some goals that the district had set broadly, but we were certainly committed to doing this in a democratic fashion. And so um, we met not only as a school community, staff and students uh, in weekly democratic all school meetings, uh, but we also had a, a weekly uh, staff meeting that uh, was usually, uh, you know, two, three hours uh, on a Wednesday after school in which we continued to work together as a staff to learn what it, you know, what it meant to uh, do a democratic school and uh, learning ourselves, sort of learning by doing, um, and that we we grew into that. Um, 
I had some background in um, democratic decision making and, and doing some things with other kinds of organizations. So I, I brought some of that experience as to how to run a meeting democratically, uh, you know, how to make uh, decisions by consensus and right. well, things I- that... I think that this is kind of something that sort of uniquely qualified you to be able to establish a, a democratic school within a, a public school. Not too many people have had the background of before that being a part of a of an independent democratic school. We're speaking with Dr. Dave Lehman, who uh, is actually going to be a keynote speaker at this year's Aero Conference, Alternative Education Resource Organization Conference, which is going to be the 28th uh, of June to the 1st of July at Long Island University Post Campus. Uh, and we're also going to have at the conference, the book launch of your book, Dave, uh, A Principal's Notebook, and the subtitle is Lessons for Today uh, from a Pioneering Public School. Can you tell us something about the book and and what it's about? Yeah, well, the book is um, basically the story of of the school. Um, So there is sort of the history, some of which you've heard uh, in this podcast, uh, how we got started how we grew, uh, what were the various components. Um, so it's sort of a historical record or account of, of this uh, public alternative uh, secondary school. But then throughout, I also have tried to write it with a second thing in mind, namely for, uh, for people who might uh, be wanting to try to develop a, a similar school or some kind of a, a democratically run school of their own. So throughout I, I've written about you know some of the processes that we developed some of the processes I would suggest that uh, that they give consideration at the end of each chapter there are uh, both some questions for people to uh, perhaps think about uh, if they're trying to start a school uh, or if they're wanting to make some major changes in a school toward a more democratic process as well as uh, uh, also at the end of each of the chapter, there are some resources, references that they might find helpful. Uh, so I've tried to write it with sort of those two things in mind. One as a sort of historical account and the other as a resource for people wanting to uh, start a school of their own. And as I said, we're going to have the official book launch at the Aero Conference. However, the book is now just now available uh, it's on Amazon, and it's also available uh, on the Arrow website, educationrevolution.org. Uh, and uh, if you want to find out more about the Arrow Conference, you just go to arrowconference.org. And uh, uh, you're going to be doing a workshop and a keynote at the Arrow Conference. What do you plan to talk about, Dave? Well, the, uh, the, the keynote particularly will be because we're kicking off the, the book and we'll have it available there. I'll try to, uh, to highlight things in the book and give people a good idea of what that might be and some interaction for them to also have an opportunity to ask some questions and see if we can't give a good uh, you know, kickoff to uh, having the book available and, and what it's about. So that's certainly the one session. 
the other workshop, um, one of my interests and things that I've done over the years has been uh, the implications of brain research for those of us who are involved in education. And there are two uh, current aspects of that that I think uh, would, would warrant some uh, interest. Uh, and I, I intend to do the workshop on recent brain search uh, research on um, on the question of, of violence with all of these school shootings. Um, I've been doing some background in some of the neuroscience that uh, might inform us about what that uh, has to tell us, and particularly as educators uh, looking to do something um, about that. That that's that's an amazing area to talk about. You know, I was out there uh, at, at at the conference. Uh, I think you were probably there too when we they had the Columbine shooting. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, we talked to people who founded one of the other. I, I consider your school and the one in uh, Jefferson County Open School as the two best right. public democratic schools in the country. And we talked to. Uh, uh, Arnie Langberg, who founded that one, who said he just didn't think that that kind of thing could happen at a democratic school. And yeah. uh, did you ever have anything close to that happening at your school? Uh, other than the one morning very early, I got called to say there had been a bomb threat at the school and that uh, all of the students were going to be uh, uh, the busing students and the, those who were walkers we're going to be taken immediately down to the main high school to uh, meet in the cafeteria. And I should report to the school to meet with the police. And, uh, and they had a, a bomb sniffing dog and whatnot and, and police officers. And I was to, to walk through the school with this dog. Wow. And, Did they and, ever uh, find out what the, who, where it came from or what? The well, Subsequently, we found out that it, it was a hoax and been perpetuated by someone who had, you know, made made a a phone call to the police saying there was a you know a bomb at the school. It was purely a uh, a prank, um, but uh, it was certainly a uh, a scary moment. And uh, as uh, as my wife said, you know, why did you have to? <laughs> lead them around through the school couldn't they just go do that themselves really? <laughs> uh, so uh at any rate that was a, a, a tense moment but that's probably the closest that i can think that we've come uh so there are uh it, it is a scary moment to have that happen so i i want to look into that whole area of, of of violence in schools because i think there are some learnings that we can glean from research into uh, neuroscience. And the second area is the other one that seems to be quite um, a concern. Again, I say, because it's happened throughout our country's history, and that is the issue of racism and how, uh, how we are uh, able to deal more uh, constructively with uh, issues of, of race. And certainly that's something we've Right. Had as a focus uh, at the school. Do Do you remember Bar Bob Barr? He did some oh, research yes. on on uh, public alternatives and found that the level of violence was extremely low. Do you remember that research? 
Yes, I actually have his book. Right. Okay, well, listen, we'll stop it right there because you can see that Dave just knows so much, and he's he's just such a veteran of, of all of this. And he will be a keynoter at the Aero Conference this year uh, at LIU Post Campus, um, the 28th of June to the 1st of July. And um, you can get his book uh, called A Principal's Notebook uh, right now on the Aero website at educationrevolution.org, or you can get it on Amazon. And it's not too late, you know, to sign up to come and see Dave at the Aero Conference where he'll be doing a keynote and a workshop. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you there, Dave. Yeah, looking forward to it again and uh, look forward to having uh, folks uh, we can interact with and uh, get into all of these topics. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today. And uh, Uh, We hope we hear from people. Give us a little bit of feedback on all this and and, uh, take care. Okay, look forward to seeing you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.